Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Another Sunday night, and you're on the couch with me, Dr. Delvina. Check it out. Rest in peace to DMX, man. I mean, seriously, I really had to pay homage to this brother. I mean, you can say what you want about DMX, the times that he's been in and out of prison and jail, but you can't take his passion away from him. You cannot take his passion. You know what I mean? And so, you know, there's so many people who walk around who have these issues and these concerns similar to DMX, man. You guys are listening to Dr. Delvina on the Brain Love Podcast. It's another Sunday night. It's 8 p.m. And, you know, every Sunday night at 8 p.m. I drop a new episode. Tonight I'm talking to the ladies again, man. Remember two episodes ago I did Dear Ladies. Tonight I'm still talking to you ladies. I want to give you some time. I want to invest in you. And so, but I, I had to pay homage to DMX first. People are saying he ain't worth it. But what I do know is this. He is a part of my history. He is a part of the music I listened to and the music that got me hype. Hey, this was one of the songs that got me hype, man. And the best part of this song to What's My Name is that line when he says, running around here like some brand new pussy that's about to get fucked. Now, come on now. What is more imaginative than imagining new pussy that's about to get fucked? Come on now. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. Ooh, y'all, I'm just saying I had to pay homage to DMX, man. For real. Y'all, DMX, a.k.a. Earl Simmons, or should I say Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, born December 18th, 1970, and passed on April 9th, 2021. Of course, we all knew him by his stage name, DMX, which stood for, did you know this? Dark Man X. And so, no, you're not getting on the couch with me to discuss DMX, although I could do a whole episode about DMX and substance addiction and substance use disorder and what happens when you as a child at age 14, when no one loves you, at least it feels like no one loves you, introduces you to a drug like crack cocaine, which is more, which is one of the most addictive substances out there other than heroin and these opioids, man. But I'm not, I'm not getting on the couch to talk about DMX, not extensively anyway. Tonight it's about the women again. Two episodes ago, I talked about the episode, Dear Ladies. And last weekend it was Easter, so I took it easy on you guys. But I'm coming back tonight. It's another new episode of the Brain Love Podcast, 8 p.m. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe. And did you know I'm on Pandora now? In addition to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and, you know, iHeartRadio. So if you have not subscribed already, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And give me a rating. Give me some stars. Tell me what you think about the podcast. 
You don't have to misrepresent. Say what you feel. Say what you think. So what you hear in the background is DMX, man. DMX is a part of my timeline. I can't even misrepresent. I cannot deny him. I mean, he has so many songs. He had songs that made the billboard. He was the first artist to debut an album at number one five times in a row on the Billboard 200 charts. The first artist. Let me repeat that. Reiteration, please. He was the first artist to debut an album at number one five times in a row on the Billboard 200 charts. Okay? His debut album is It's Dark and Hell is Hot. That came out in 1998. I was graduating from college in 98. He sold 251,000 copies within its first week. And he released his best-selling album, And Then There Was X, in 1999. It included the hit Party Up In Here. I know y'all know that song. And then in 2003, he had the single Where The Hood At. And X gonna give it to ya. Gonna give it to ya. X gonna give it to ya. Hey, that was in 2003. That was the year I graduated medical school. So I just wanted to give DMX a little love, man, because he's out of here. Listen, drugs are such a disease, man. Drugs are a disease. We got to take it more seriously. We have to embrace people who have these drug addictions and don't give up on them. Do not give up on them, man. So X said he became addicted to crack cocaine when he was 14 after Reddy Ron tricked him into smoking a marijuana cigarette laced with the drug while he was counting money after a night of robbing people. He also said he had bipolar. Now, let me tell you this, and I'm not going to go into details, but because someone tricks you at the age of 14 to smoking something very addictive, that's, that's not enough to make you an addict. That's my hypothesis. There's a lot of other things that go into the cycle of substance abuse and being neglected as a child, which clearly DMX was neglected as a child. Anytime at 14, you're counting money after a night of robbing people, you've been neglected and your family's not looking out for you or taking care of you. So drug addiction is not just about someone giving you drugs at a young age, man. It's about everything else that comes with it. The trauma that you've had in your past, DMX had a lot of trauma through his life. Trauma, which then leads to sadness and depression and anxiety and nervousness. And so people look for ways to self-medicate, and that's what X did. This is my other jam by DMX. I can't even front. I'm gonna, we're going to get you on the couch in a second, man. We're going to talk about this topic tonight, which is women and sexual health. But uh, like I said, I had to pay homage to DMX. Ah. Uh, I had to pay homage to DMX, man. Yeah. So we got to have brain love for all people. We got to look out for people, man. So I've seen all kinds of stuff on social media. I've seen things that said that he had coronavirus 19, which I don't, I'm not buying that. But there's reports that he he endured a heart attack, which in the medical field we call that a myocardial infarction. And that heart attack may have been a consequence of a drug overdose. So he was on life support. He suffered cerebral hypoxia, which is oxygen deprivation to the brain. 
And um, what I'm, I'm reading is that the paramedics attempted to resuscitate him for 30 minutes. That's a bad sign, man. So he was in a vegetative state when he was on life support. So you know what? I, I'm just, I'm not going to belabor this. I just want to say rest in peace to Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, man. I appreciate you for the hype music and all the things you did for me when I was getting through college and medical school. I just got to say it. And um, I hope you find peace where you are now, man. I hope you find peace, love. And I hope you're being embraced up there. All right, y'all. We're going to get on this couch so I can talk about um, women and sexual health, man. But, you know, of course, since I started this episode of the Brain Love Podcast, I got DMX, a.k.a. Earl Simmons, or Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, in my background. And um, this was one of those other... One of those other songs that people really enjoyed. This featured Cisco from Drew Hill. If you guys know I'm from Maryland, Drew Hill is from Baltimore. And actually, I read an article that said DMX was born in Baltimore, Maryland, but raised in New York in White Plains. But apparently he was born in New York. So anyhow, um, I just want you to get on the couch with me so we can discuss this woman in sexual health concern because some women are very concerned as they get older they are um, losing or they're noticing that their libido is decreasing and as much as they want to have a sexual appetite they're not able to and they got to force themselves to pretend like they want their significant other so I brought in an expert Dr. Shruzan Gray, who is an obstetrician and gynecologist, to talk with us and answer some questions. And so you're here. I have questions for her, and she's also mentioning several things, and she's given us a breakdown of what causes sexual dysfunction. And we're talking about different types, but we're really, really mainly talking about hyposexual disorder. We talk about that. I ask her several questions, and then, you know, we're going to transition into one of my favorite things that I do when I do these Therapy Thursdays is myth versus fact. So I want you guys to hang in there and listen to the myth versus fact portion of this discussion. And, um, and I hope this really helps. I hope this um, allows you or helps you to regain a higher aptitude of sexual knowledge so that you can help yourself and regaining your libido. So please get on the couch, open your ears, open your mind, be ready to embrace this information, and let's do this because, you know, it's about brain love. Hey, guys, good evening. It's Therapy Thursday. It's another Thursday night. It's Dr. Delvina, your host of Therapy Thursday. And, you know, I bring a special guest on for these Therapy Thursday shows. And tonight, I really wanted to give back to the women. I wanted to talk to the women. Um, Some folks might be a little uneasy about watching this live and uh, sharing their interest in this topic, which tonight's topic is women and sexual health, women and libido. We're talking about different disorders that can affect a woman's sex drive, a.k.a. libido, a.k.a. sexual appetite. We know that the benefits of sex extend beyond the bedroom. Studies have found that a roll in the hay can improve heart health and even boost your immunity. Plus, the romps with your partner creates an intimate connection that's crucial for a healthy relationship. 
But if you're not always in the mood to have sex, you're not alone, guys, or I should say ladies. Many women have fluctuating sex drives, which may arise from larger issues. We know that. So if someone comes in with a low libido and it's a woman, we know that that may have a connection that is both emotional and physical. Six years after Viagra revolutionized uh, the sexual ability for men, I should say many years, I'm sorry, after Viagra revolutionized sexual ability for men, many women still hoping that they get some sort of relief. To date, the FDA has not approved a product to boost female sex drive. We know that low sex drive is the most common sexual complaint made by women. Somewhere between 30 to 40% of women complain about low sex drive, which is also identified as hypoactive sexual desire disorder. And on this slide, you see other complications or challenges that can occur um, that are considered sexual dysfunctions as well. We talked about, or I spoke of the desire difficulties. There's also orgasm difficulties, uh, the inability to orgasm, and also um, pain, sex encountered or, in, or pain endured while one is involved in sexual activity as well. So anyhow, to have this conversation, I am bringing on an expert Dr. Shruzan Gray, who is a, an obstetrician gynecologist. Hi, Dr. Gray. Hi. Good night, everyone. How are you all doing? Hey there. So just so to tell to folks here. a little bit about you, Dr. Gray, guys, is a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist licensed by the states of Florida and New York and is an award-winning physician with an outstanding Ivy League education with extensive experience in her field. That's why she's here. She is the co-founder and owner of Women to Women, OB-GYN. She is a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania Case, and Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. Dr. Gray has been practicing medicine for over 15 years. She is affiliated with several South Florida hospitals, including Memorial Hospital West and Memorial Regional Hospital. Dr. Gray is highly skilled in all areas of OB-GYN, obstetrics and gynecology, pardon me, and is adept at handing, handling routine care and complicated issues requiring surgery and long-term care. In addition, she serves international patients from throughout the Caribbean, South America, and Europe. Welcome to the show, Dr. Gray. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And thanks Absolutely. for inviting me. Yes, ma'am. And I'd like to add, I refer my patients to Dr. Gray, ladies who are looking for an OB-GYN. So thank you for what you do for the women, Dr. Gray. I appreciate your referrals. Thanks. You're welcome. So I know you are at work, you're in your office, and you yes. are going to the hospital soon. Likely, very likely. We have one in labor. So we're yes. on okay. running. We might be running out in the middle of this conversation, but I'm hoping that we should get we could get through most of it. All righty, so, so let's get the show on the road. Let's get started. Let's get started. Yes, ma'am. So the first question I have for you is to please summarize in general terms what happens to the sex drive of women as we're aging through the decades, like from 20s to your 30s to your 40s and your 50s. What happens with sex drive in general? What would you say? Okay. So first of all, I'd like to say, you know, I'm glad that you are approaching this topic um, because I think it's such an important one and it's so, um, it's so prevalent um, because about 43% of women will have hyposexual 
desire um, disorder through at some point in their life. So in a woman's 20s, she is considered to be, have to be at their highest level of sexual desire. And that's because um, while you're in your 20s, you likely have the highest level of testosterone. And I really truly believe that your level of testosterone is highly linked to your sexual desire. In addition to that, I mean, there's a lot of life issues that as we go through life that may affect sexual desire. But we'll deal with that, you know, at a later time in the discussion. But at this time, I think the reason why we're such, we're at a high level of sexual desire in your 20s because of just, we have a high level of testosterone. And that begins to decrease as we um, go through our late 20s into our 30s. We'll, we'll realize that we have a decrease in our sexual desire when we're going into our 30s. Sometimes it has a lot to, you know, life, you know, life happenings. We have kids. We've been married for a long, for a few times, for a long while. We have um, issues that cause stress and so forth and so on. But I think um, for the most part, it might be linked to the fact that we're we have a decrease in testosterone as we go into our 30s. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that we have to gauge. And then as we go through into our forties and our fifties, we start to likely get used to that change in, in, in hormone, meaning your body physiologically get used to that change in your testosterone. But then we get onto an, into another bump, which is women start to go into their forties, we get perimenopausal, and then we hit menopause likely in our late forties or fifties. And then menopause brings to it a whole different challenge where we start to, because of our decrease in estrogen, which is made a large amount of it, which is made from our ovaries and our ovaries are starting to, you know, decrease its production of, or not production of eggs or the amount of our eggs or ovums in our ovaries. We decrease the amount of estrogen that is produced in our body. Estrogen production comes from not only our ovaries, yes, like sometimes peripheral fat or adrenals, but a large amount of it comes from our ovaries. So we're gonna have a significant decrease of estrogen coming from our ovaries and that contributes to sexual desire a little bit yes but it contributes to our genital organs and the the um the tissue um of our genital organs and muscle integrity of our genital organs and so therefore sometimes that um start to cause issues as far as um how we enjoy sex and how, whether or not sex hurts, you know, making lubrication. And so as we go into the forties and fifties, we start to have issue with that. And as we're having issues with that, then it kind of feed back into sexual desire because if we're hurting or we're having issues with how we feel in regards to us getting lubricated and so forth, then we're likely going to um, have um, just decrease in desire or feel in some type of a way when we are trying to have sex. And so therefore it moves back and feeds back on our desire. Gotcha. So what you're saying is this is actually a, a rather a complicated subject to understand. It's not it just and, and I think that's why a lot of gynecologists find it very difficult to address even through a, through a um, annual exam. So, um, and, and you know, women, I will encourage women to speak, speak on it at um, a GYNs, you know, at their GYN visit or their GYN exam, but sometimes it does encompass a, a large 
um, discussion and you know it's very deep in depth and it's difficult to answer the question as to what is affecting your patient's sexual desire when she first approached you. It is really um, an involved discussion that involves a consultation that you will have to interview that patient in, as to what's going on in that person's life what's going on um, as far as what was before, what, were this, what, what was sex life before, did you have desire issues before, and then when did that change and so forth. So it does involve a large um, undertaking as far as history, you know, the medical history, the psychological history, the social history, and the relationship history. Okay. So in our 20s, um, you know, you mentioned testosterone is higher. Can birth control pills lower our testosterone and cause reduced libido or sexual appetite problems for a 20-year-old? I believe so. I mean, there's some studies that are showing that um, it does not, um, especially if you have an, uh, it depends on the, 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 concentration of the birth control pill, the, the mm -hmm. estrogen and progesterone, as you know, most combination birth, most birth controls uh, is made with both estrogen and progesterone. So um, there are studies that shows that yes, um, there is some decrease in um, sexual desire um, with some birth control. And then there are studies that show that no, they don't. Well, I can tell you that there are a large amount of my patients um, that would come to me and, you know, we put them on birth control pill. And they would come back and say, hey, you know, something is um, going on. I feel like I am not as lubricated with this birth control pill, which is obviously going to affect the desire and sometimes um, sexual appetite or, you know, feeling as if you're at feeling of adequacy, you know, when yeah. you're ha about to have sex with your partner. But also um, they're feeling like they have a decreased libido. And the question is, or the theory is that Sometimes that um, est combination estrogen and progesterone birth control pill with the estrogen factor does decrease your testosterone. So gotcha. That's a concept there. Okay. Okay, perfect. And so you were mentioning once we get into our 30s, life gets a little more challenging and complicated. You know, um, oftentimes women have children, they're parenting, they're working, they're building their careers. So these types of, of factors are stressed. And I'm just going to pull up um, one of the other slides. And yeah, there we go. What can affect our libido? So um, here are some other um, factors in reducing sexual appetite. And that would be the quality of your relationships, the attitudes of your upbringing, qualities of touch and sex, understanding your partners, your age. As Dr. Gray was just explaining everyone, what happens in your different decades of life illness, use of medications, emotional well-being. Um, does this look pretty accurate to you, Dr. Gray, as a woman specialist? Yes, and, and, and the, the list can continue. Um, quality of relationship, um, you know, will encompass um, whether or not there's relationship discord. Um, stress, definitely. Um, but then we could talk also about anxiety. You know, a lot of us develop anxiety due to just different life, life happenings, you know, um, depression, um, history of um, sexual vi violence and um, abuse. Um, a lot of us start to develop things like um, hypertension, which is under medical, medical causes of um, sexual, hypoactive sexual dysfunction. Um, having to take medications, which are related to some of the things that we discussed before 
medications for anxiety, medications for depression, medications for blood pressure, oral contraceptions we talked about. Um, you touched on the negative sexual attitudes, but then we also have to talk about neurological diseases um, that um, can affect your, you know, you know, different hormone uptakes or neuro neuroendocrine uptakes in the brain, um, personality traits, um, how you how you think about your um, body, your um, your esteem, your self-esteem, and your um, your body image, body image issues, um, and then there is like even having a baby, pregnancy, the postpartum um, postpartum period, which could run for a while for some women. I find that in my practice, one of the most um, common times when women come in talking about um, their low desire, their low libido, is postpartum, and sometimes it's just hard to get out of that rut. You know, you think, you know, most women will come to me and say, well, I mean, it's been two, three months and I still don't feel like having sex. What is going on? You know, um, you know, and we'll talk about, you know, just the nature of having a baby, you know, vaginally, even C-section or a difficult vaginal delivery where you have very difficult, um, very involved lacerations and um, you've had to have a vacuum, for example, or force up delivery. Um, sorry about that. My light comes off. Hold on one second. Mm -hmm. So guys, you've been listening to Dr. Gray and me have a conversation about uh, women and sexual desire or libido. And we pretty much, Dr. Gray has given us the summation starting um, in a woman's 20s, going into her 30s, her 40s. Um, and, and now you're talking about um, postpartum. Um, and right. you mentioned also, I think, menopause already. So we were going to talk about what happens in our 50s. Um, can you tell us a little bit about menopause and how that can affect libido? Oh, that is, that's the group of women for me that I, um, I have the most passion for because I feel like sometimes it's hard to, ex to, um, to manage them in regards to how mm, they feel like it's final. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, it's, yeah. a, it's a, you know, so there's a, it's a higher level of sense of depression about sex, their sexual desire, because they're like, well, menopause, I'm sure not, I'm not, I'm not going to grow back my ovaries. I'm not going to get new, you know, no new ovaries. So then is this it? Am I not going to enjoy or have sex much anymore? Because, you know, this menopause is a, is that transition in life where, you know, you can't go back, you know, with postpartum, you can understand that, you know, there's this expectation that, okay, this period is going to pass and we can go back. So just the psychological aspect of that feeling final about that, just already by itself, put those patients in a mindset that allows for more anxiety and depression, which then feeds back into this hyposexual desire situation. And so, um, what I mean, you know, by the time you have a proper gynecolo gynecological visit in regards to why menopause allows for hypoactive um, sexual desire, you know, I think just an open conversation in regards to the fact that, yes, it has to do with that there's a decrease in your um, estrogen level, which first let's talk about, let's talk about the estrogen, the hormone, which is made by the ovaries that decreases during menopause and how that affects the female body. So that, I mean, as far as the genitals, which we're, so it affects your genitals because what? 
estrogen is really what allows for your vaginal epithelium, the surface of your vagina, um, and the surface of your labia and so forth to be engorged and has a different type of epithelium. Your epithelium is allowing for moisture. It's more thickened. It's more rugated, meaning that it has the grooves and so forth. And there we go. And then we go into menopause where we have a lack of estrogen. And that mm -hmm. lack of estrogen allows for that epithelium to dry out, to thin out. Those are the most important aspects of what happens during menopause, right? It dries out, it thins out, and there's decreased lubrication during sex. Those, that triple happening um, for menopause allows for painful sex. That painful sex allows for feedback of hypoactive sexual desire right because if you know that when you have sex it's going to hurt then the next time you're not going to want to have sex again right it's going to be a continuous mm -hmm. so so when patients come to me they're saying oh my god it feels like i mean most people will describe it as it feels like razors in my vagina or it feels like um you know paper cuts like getting tiny little paper cuts so i just want to be just very blunt about that's what a lot of women when they're approaching menopause um start to feel as they're having sex as they're um going you know as they're trying to you know have sex mm -hmm. and so um that's that that's one of the major the second major issue obviously is a decrease in testosterone that has been happening since we talked about it in most women it starts in their mm -hmm. 30s and it's still going mm -hmm. down and it literally goes down to it's it's you know it plateaus as you go through menopause in your 50s and your 60s. So um, mm -hmm. that's a part of it because again, testosterone, there's some level of testosterone that comes from those ovaries, right? So when the ovary doesn't work anymore, then we're having um, that um, decrease, uh, even much more decrease in testosterone. So you get your second round of drop in testosterone. Um, so mm -hmm. we're having that sexual desire combined with the fact that we're having, you know, urogenital um, changes in our genital organs, then combined with those, there we go. We have like hyposexual desire at full, full, full blown there. So um, yeah. that's how that works in, in menopause. Okay. And not to mention so you, the psychological aspect of knowing that, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Double whammy. Yes. Double whammy. Mm -hmm. And you just answered uh, one of the, the next questions, which was, do women make testosterone naturally? And you just said, yes, women make testosterone. And uh, exactly. where, does the, where does the testosterone uh, originate from in a woman's body? So we have testosterone coming from your adrenal glands, which uh, um, um, it's, it's complicated. I don't want to complicate the situation. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> but there are glands that sit on top of your kidneys, and it makes a lot of it has, it's involved in a lot of steroidal processes and a lot of hormones. So that's one of the hormones that are made there. Um, yeah. It also comes from your ovaries. And there are some women that, um, and there are some from your peripheral organs and fats, your subcutaneous tissue. So say mm -hmm. for example, there are a lot of women who have a high, high level of um, fat percentage in their body. And you'll notice that when we do their labs, their testosterone can be higher. Um, and I'll give you an example, for example, say, for example, um, women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome. One of the things that we um, check when we're checking to see to make that diagnosis 
is the androgen levels. Androgens refer to stuff like testosterone and DHEA. Androgenic hormones is what we call them. And we'll notice that patients who have PCOS have a very much higher level of testosterone. Just to give an example. Mm -hmm. So we know that these women, when you look at their ovaries on ultrasound, very polycystic, large amount of follicles, and they tend to have a much higher level of um, testosterone, sometimes triple double or triple the amount of testosterone um, than if we have a woman that did not have polycystic ovaries. So, so Dr. Gray, does that translate to having a higher sex drive for these women you know, who have the polycystic that's ovarian a, syndrome? That's a good question because when we're doing the research, um, the question, um, there, there's some research that shows that we, they've seen, they, they, that counter that, that says, well, I mean, women who have high testosterone levels do not translate you know, into having higher sex drives, I, 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 I definitely differ. Um, and then yeah. there's a lot of um, research that says the complete opposite. Um, in my practice, I would say that when I interview most patients and uh, we're talking about, um, you know, their testosterone levels and when I, wow, your testosterone levels are is in the hundreds or, you know, your, your free testosterone levels is in the double, the double digits. Uh, how do you feel? Are you have? Do you have a high libido? And it will translate to yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, so so yes, it does. Okay. So I've had some patients who've told me that they were prescribed testosterone. They were given a testosterone patch. They were given injections to help with their libido. These are women who were in their forties mm -hmm. um, and early fifties. Is that is that okay? to give women testosterone to help with the sex drive, the sexual appetite? Well, it depends on the physician and the patient and the discussion that they have. It is a common practice. Um, yeah. It's now being used in hormone replacement um, therapy. You have pellet therapy. I'm not sure about injections. I wouldn't do injections if I were anyone. Um, but mm -hmm. there's a pellet that where there um, a lot of women are getting placed, and it does impressively improve um, sex drive. Patients who are getting hormone replacement therapy or bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, which usually increase a com includes a combination of testosterone, estrogen, sometimes DHEA, which is another androgenic hormone, does. Um, I mean, some women are very happy with it as they're going as they're um, menopausal. Um, it's increasing not only their sexual desire, it's increasing their orgasm, it's increasing their um, their energy level which just increases and improves their um their well-being all around which improves their relationship quality and therefore just all around improves um you know their sexual desire issue um we um i have prescribed topical testosterone um and um referred out for pellet therapy um so it depends on the patient and what and the whether or not they absorb or understand the risk factors that are involved and the side effects and the potential risk are usually very, very low but some people just want you to tell them that there's no risk in anything so yeah. um, it depends yeah. on it depends on the patient and so um you know if you put testosterone on a certain area of this you tell people i will give you some testosterone some women are like oh no it's gonna make me look manly you know or so forth so on or I'm, i don't want to grow hairs and so forth so on mm -hmm. so um it depends on what the patient's the risk level that the patient is willing to absorb 
Okay. So let's move away from testosterone. I know you got to go deliver a baby. What are some FDA approved agents that you can tell us about that can help enhance a woman's libido? I think you mentioned a couple already. Okay. So, I mean, estrogen creams and, um, are is one that we use and we use that commonly in OBGYN. And the reason why we use it is because it's, it's definitively directed at the problem, especially when we're going into menopause. Um, and even though it is for vulvovaginal atrophy, we found that it does show that there's increase in libido because if a woman feel, if the, the, um, if the vagina and the vulvar is feeling healthier, we're increasing blood flow to the clitoris and all those places. Guess what? Your sexual desire is going to improve. Right. So, um, you know, there's some doctors that would, um, especially that would, 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 defer on that, I, I find it nothing not to be deferred in, at all. Um, yeah. One of the things that um, is has recently come out, and at least once or twice, is Prasterone, which is um, a vaginal gel with DHEA. Now, remember, we talked about um, DHEA being also another androgenic hormone and some that's used in pellets. Well, now, um, you know, there is usage of it vaginally. And that's FDA approved. And that's shown to um, be improving sexual desire. Okay. Um, okay. Then, um, you know, then there's other modalities. The, 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 the wonder of um, we do uh, Mona Lisa Touch, which, again, it's supposed to be improving vulvovaginal atrophy, which is a laser that we put in, we um, use to treat the vagina. And um, we do it in our office here. We get a um, very great um, response in regards to it. And yes, it's not really working as far as the desire aspect of it. But again, if you're increasing, mm-hmm. if you're using something that increases the, uh, improves the vaginal atrophy and the vaginal um, tissue and allows for increased lubrication, patient is gonna be happy. Likely a patient's desire is gonna be improved. Yes, yes, yes. And you you call that Mona Lisa, the procedure Mona that Lisa you touch. do. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's see. You know, I, I'm into alternative health mm-hmm. also, not just um, Western medicine and medications. And sometimes people ask about herbal remedies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tell them for mental health and wellness, I don't, I'm not qualified to talk to you about herbal remedies. And so I don't go into a whole lot of details about what herbal remedy they bought from the herb, the herbal store or whatever you call it, the naturopathic store. Um, but question for you, do you know of any herbal remedies that women can use to help increase their, their libido or sexual desire? Well, there's one that I, um, I recommend, and it's not much, um, so I can't speak on much. Um, but I do believe in salt palmetto. Um, salt palmetto um is i mean it comes from a tree i'm not even sure if i know exactly exactly where the source is but it's something that you can go to pharmacy and um get the get the little pills or so forth with salt palmetto it's also in a lot of products which improve um hair growth especially um in women that are having um what would you say now um changes in hormonal or hormonal hair loss. 
And um, the reason why saw palmetto works is because it does improve your testosterone levels. So a lot of things go right back, oh, to that, right? back to testosterone. Um, yeah, because it ha it does inhibit the uh, one of the um, what would you call it now enzymes that break down testosterone. So saw palmetto kind of stops that and therefore increases the testosterone that you have in your body at that certain time. Um, and I find that, and saw palmetto is herbal. I mean, they've been mm -hmm. using it for many years. Some um, the, um, doctors usually recommend it back in the days for like um, um, patients with BPH, you know, um, prostate hypertrophy um, mm -hmm. in males. And, um, but we see that saw palmetto can increase your sex drive. And I will try, um, it's not going to be, you know, like testosterone where it's as potent, but it does, I've seen that it does increase sex drive in some women. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So let's move into another alternative intervention being food. People like to eat or use their nutrition to help resolve issues that they might be having at the time. So this is a slide showing um, foods that are thought to enhance sexual appetite or rev up sexual appetite, AKA aphrodisiacs. And there's also uh, food that's listed that is thought to reduce your sexual appetite or your sexual libido. Um, what do you think about the foods that reduce your libido, the sugars and things like that? Well, it's definitely um, shown that um, Foods that are high in sugar does increase your um, okay does increase your um, does decrease your sexual desire and the evidence of that comes um, just to just to sh prove how true that is is that you can see that it shows that patients who have diabetes and insulin resistance um, especially those that have due to a high sugar high carb diet do have a much higher incidence, significantly higher incidence of hypoactive sexual desire. So um, we know, and you know, that goes along with processed foods. We also know that um, high alcohol intake does decrease your, um, your does um, increase your um, risk of hypoactive sexual desire. So we know that those things are in fact true. Um, you know, it's thought that a diet that's high in like a Mediterranean diet that's high in nuts, fruits, vegetables, fish, does improve your libido. And that's, that's definitely has been shown. <laughs> Dark chocolate. I see chocolate is on the list. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing to know. <laughs> right? I think most people will be happy with that at least. <laughs> yeah. Dark just chocolate. Case help chocolate. Just in case I'm, I'm bursting anybody's bubble. And not trying to want it. Um, those persons are like, man, that's the end of that cake tonight. <laughs> Go eat some chocolate. <laughs> All right. The world is imperfect, you know, and so is technology. So we yeah, were, you know, <laughs> we were just. I thought it was you. I was like, oh, what happened? No, not, She's black. Yes. Um, okay. So I, I have a couple other questions and then I'll let you go. I know you got to go deliver that baby. Um, what do you think about masturbation for women? Is it helpful? Of course. I mean, um, you know, anything that masturbation sometimes increase 
the, um, the comfort level um, as far as your um, the comfort with your body, your sexuality, your um, what pleases you, what allows for you to be to um, have an orgasm, and it increases blood, you know, blood flow to your um, your sexual organs. So I believe that if it it's safe, there's nothing wrong with it. Have you know, masturbate. Okay, that is the safest form of sex is masturbation. Now, works what for you? Yes. What types of products are the safest, more effective to combat vaginal dryness? Um, what types of lubricants would you recommend? Okay, so because you know, um, sometimes what's the most effective might not be what's considered the safest. So, um, but lubricants, lubricants, I would say ones that are natural. I think there's right now. I mean, there's so there's not a lot of space to me are not a lot of place for me for vaginal lubricants where you have a lot of stuff with parabens and um, detergents and stuff that throws off your pH. There's so many natural lubricants out there. I mean, we have stuff with guava bark and kelp that works and you can go to the, um, especially to specialty pharmacies. I send, um, I send my patients, for example, to Pillbox and, um, and there is a friend of mine over there, Angela. She's very good. She's a sexual um, dysfunction. Um, she has her PhD in, in, in sexual dysfunction. And she's very good at assisting patients and getting natural lubricants that will help them. And um, it's good for their vagina because the vagina is so easily thrown off. You know, as soon as you throw off your, the pH, then, you know, if you had urogenital syndrome before, then it's going to be worse, mm -hmm. abnormal discharge, you end up with BV, bacterial vaginosis, a yeast infection. It's such a tight balance. And so when you start using lubrication, as simple as it sounds, lubrication, um, it could have things in it that just throw off your, your, um, your pH and your balance. Yeah. And so I think it's usually pretty um, a good idea for you to seek lubrications that have natural components in them. Um, I tend to like things that have natural oils. Like for example, we have a vitamin E um, suppository. And let me show, I mean, you can go to the pharmacy and you can ask for just the key vitamin E suppository. There's this one here. I'm sorry, this is not good stuff. There we go. Yeah, we can see it now. So, I mean, you can just go for, go to these specialty pharmacies and, you know, use a vitamin E suppository, put one in every few days, and it will allow, I mean, some people really actually feel the dryness of the vagina, even if they're not having sex. But if you, um, you know, even to prepare your vagina for if you, if and when you do have sex, you know, using vit vitamin E suppositors are usually considered to be very, um, beneficial and then you have suppositories that are um have prebiotics and they're ph stabilizing i mean i know there's one called luvena for example that i refer that i encourage my patients to use um because it usually helps in balancing the ph um there's also one called lubrigen also natural um has vitamin e it has hyaluronic acids, things that have hyaluronic acid tend to have a good um, decreased friction and helps to give um, give the vagina this feeling of um, not that thin thinness that you have when you're, um, you know, you're getting atrophy, vaginal atrophy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then, um, you know, you have now stuff that has guava bark. For some reason, we're showing that that does improve, you know, lubrication. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, so that was the last question. There is a question from the audience about, I, I don't really understand it. How are patients with coagulopathies and low sex hormones? What's the recommendation? I'm not really sure. Well, I think what the first part of the question is that um, is referring to patients who are not able to um, coagulopathies, Use. meaning that it's yeah. you know high thrombo, like high risk of um, blood mm -hmm. clots. So mm -hmm. those patients, it's contraindicated for them to use um, estrogen. Hormones, estrogens, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we just touched on a lot of um, um, options for those patients. Yeah. If we're talking about patients who are having vaginal dryness or urogenital dysfunction due to uh, menopause. I'm not sure if, you know, if... Um, if that's what she's talking about, because there's so many different patients. So right, which right. population are we talking about? Are we talking about patients that are, um, that are going through menopause or pre ovarian, you know, menopause, um, ovarian failure. You have some poor patients, um, the younger population of patients who have had uh, breast cancer and status post chemotherapy or after chemotherapy. And now, has very decreased ovarian volume, and so therefore have gone through premature menopause as a result of treatment on their, you know, mm -hmm. for their um, breast cancer. And those patients, is, um, it's very hard. Um, and so, you know, usually we cannot prescribe um, estrogen therapy or anything with hormones because of the fear that that type of cancer um, is hormone receptor positive. So in, those, in that case, um, what do we recommend for those poor patients? And sometimes really a lot of those patients, especially when it comes to hypoactive sexual desire related to vaginal atrophy due to their, um, the treatment is we do laser therapy, you know, and we recommend lubrication. But for a lot of these patients, the lubrication is just not a, enough of a long-term option for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, the laser is becoming a big, big thing for those okay. patients. Yeah, she def she put ovarian failure and menopause. Oh, okay. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, so um Sakina Mattis, thank you for the question. I, I suppose the highest recommendation during this broadcast would be to schedule an appointment to see your gynecologist and discuss it in detail so that you get all the right recommendations or yeah, the because it's based on, on on that particular case. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, Dr. Gray, I will not keep you guys who are watching. I'm going to do some myths versus fact to see how much you learned during the broadcast, but I'm not going to keep Dr. Gray. All during right, that. Go deliver your baby. Thank All you right, so take much. Care, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Ciao. All right, y'all. Now time for a game of myth versus fact. I ask you a question and you tell me, is it myth or is it a fact? And I explain to you why it's a myth or why it's a fact. All right. Okay, guys, so let's play a quick game of myth versus fact so I can see how much you learned during the broadcast. Yay! Everybody ready? So, problems in a relationship can reduce sex drive. Is that a myth or is it a fact? What do you guys think? Problems in a relationship can reduce sex drive is a fact. 
Yes, problems in your relationship can definitely reduce sex drive. All right, next question. Sex drive often increases with age. Do you guys think this is a myth or a fact? Does sex drive increase with age? That is a myth. No, sex drive does not increase with age. Now, some people would say that that's true, and it depends on how you look at it, right? Because as we get older, we make less estrogen. We make less estrogen, but because we're making less estrogen, there's a thought that we're more sensitive to our testosterone or that we may be making a little more testosterone. And you just heard Dr. Gray spend the last 30 to 40 minutes and discussing testosterone and how it's helpful for sex drive or libido for women. But overall, we know that sex drive often decreases with age overall. So true or I'm sorry, myth versus fact. Is this a myth or a fact? A man's main complaint, sexual complaint, is erectile dysfunction. That's the most common sexual complaint from a man who has sexual dysfunction is erectile dysfunction. That is a fact. The most common sexual dysfunction for men is erectile dysfunction, whereas the most common sexual dysfunction for women is just reduced sexual appetite. Myth versus fact. Is this a myth or is this a fact? Breastfeeding can reduce libido. Breastfeeding can reduce or decrease your sexual appetite. What says you? Can breastfeeding, does breastfeeding reduce your sexual appetite? And that is a fact. Yes, breastfeeding in many cases has been known to reduce sexual appetite or sexual libido. It makes a woman feel less sexual or desire sex less. Myth versus fact. Estrogen, which is a hormone that women mostly make, estrogen can reduce estrogen, can lead to reduced libido and dry vaginal tissues. Myth versus fact. When your estrogen levels decrease, estrogen, reduced estrogen levels can lead to reduced or decreased sexual desire, sexual appetite, and dry vaginal tissues. That is a fact. Yes, so as estrogen is decreasing, your sexual appetite goes down and dry vaginal tissues can occur. Myth versus fact, guys. You're doing a good job with this, by the way. Stress, anxiety, depression, and poor body image can all affect libido by reducing your sexual appetite. So myth versus fact. Is this a myth or a fact? Anxiety, depression, stress, and poor body, body image can lead to reduced sexual appetite or desire. That is a fact. Yes, because if you don't feel great about how you look, if you don't have self-confidence in being naked and being seen by your partner, and also if you're thinking about all the stresses in your life, the job that you have that you hate every day, the bills that you have to pay or you might get kicked out of your apartment or your home. No one is thinking about sex, right? So yeah, that can reduce your sexual desire. All righty. So here's the last one. And this is the last one because I'm in my 40s. I'm 45. And I know some of you are in your 40s too. In your 40s, you can feel sexually liberated. Is that a myth or a fact? Women in their 40s feel sexually liberated. Myth versus fact. Most women in their 40s feel sexually liberated, meaning sexually free. You feel like 
your your sex life is better you feel more comfortable that is a fact yes women in our 40s feel a little more much more sexual liberated sexually liberated and that's because our 40s are a time of confidence and exploration for most of us most of our children are older they're not little kids anymore they can they're a little more independent they're taking care of themselves and our careers are established for the most part in our 40s so we have less things to be worried about to be concerned about and by our 40s we know our bodies we know our bodies we're comfortable with who we are we have grown into our bodies and we respect our bodies we care for our bodies we understand our bodies and we like ourselves by our 40s we've learned to overcome some of our mental shortcomings when it comes to not having a perfectly sized breast or booty or having um lips on the vulva on your vagina that look a certain way that you were embarrassed about when you were a teenager i've spoken about that before i've had a guest on on a thursday night discussing that and so in your 40s you feel more free you feel more comfortable and so this means that you know what turns you on and you're opening yourself to the sexual experience and strokes and touches and all of those things can bring about more sexual pleasure including orgasms so ladies remember don't give up on sex don't give up on your sexual appetite if it's not there, think about the things that Dr. Gray and I discussed during this last 40 minutes. And um, you too shall enjoy sex. You'll have a pleasing sexual appetite. Remember to do things like have open communication with your partner. Talk to your partner about what's working or not working in the bedroom. Do things together. And you yourself should learn ways to relax, like listening to music, taking a bath, having a glass of wine. And if you are having a conversation with your partner about sex and intimacy, don't make it a long, drawn-out conversation. Don't feel like you have to attack and address and find resolve for the issue all in that one, con that one conversation. Maybe talk 10 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time, and go back to it. Just repeatedly go back to it. Take small bites, small chunks out of the problem until you guys come to a solution. And admit when you're uncomfortable. Admit if something doesn't feel great to you, if it doesn't feel well to you. Be able to talk about it, talk regularly. And if you have a problem with talking about sex and, and intimacy, use a book to help you explain what you like or dislike. Use a movie. You can use one of your favorite movies and, and explain to the person, see what he just did for her, that's what I like. If it's difficult for you to express yourself and explain it. And just know this, if you're in a relationship that you're unhappy with or in a relationship that includes abuse, whether it's emotional, physical, um, sexual abuse, you will not be happy in that relationship and that will translate to you not having a healthy libido or a healthy sex life. You also have to have romance. Women and men too enjoy romance, so be sure that you guys are exchanging ideas and understand one, another, one another's love languages. That's important. And know what gives you pleasure and know how to explain it and express that to your partner. And when the sex has become too routine, you gotta mix it up. You gotta try some different things. Try to change the setting, go away on trips. Go to the beach and just sit in the back of your SUV or your pickup truck or something like that or your minivan, whatever it is that you have. And talk to your doctors when you're noticing physical changes or if you're on a certain medication and you notice there's changes. Doctors know that these things happen. Your physician will know. 
and we'll know how to address it. So don't accept, don't accept low quality relationships, including the sexual part of your relationship. You can remedy these things by utilizing some of the things that Dr. Gray and I have spoken about during this podcast. Thank you guys for coming on to another Therapy Thursday. I appreciate it. I know this is a sensitive topic. And um, for the folks who did not want to be on live and be seen watching, hopefully they'll watch later. It will also be on my podcast, The Brain Love Podcast, on a Sunday night with additional information. Everyone have a great night. Thank you. Brain love. So guys, I just wanted to remind you about um, the ways you can follow me. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast and you know how to follow the Brain Love Podcast, which I created May 2020. Um, it's on iHeartRadio. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, of course. Um, and then follow me on social media. On Facebook, I'm Dr. Delvina. That's D-R, period, space, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. And on Instagram, I'm Dr. Delvina, just as D-R, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. And I'm the same on Twitter as well as on Clubhouse. So if you're on Clubhouse, shoot me a follow. And I also have a YouTube channel that's Dr. Delvina Thomas. If you type in D-R period space Delvina, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, you should easily find it. And really, if you're following me on Instagram, if you go to my bio and click the link tree that's there, it gives you all of my all of my different links. It gives you my website also, which is Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A dot help. That's H-E-L-P. And also, please start tuning in on Sunday mornings at 5 a.m. on 99 Jams. Community Matters. I'm a guest host with Super Cindy. Um, tune in. You can download the 99 Jams app um, from the App Store, and that way you don't have to get up and turn on your radio. You can just download the 99 Jams app. So give me a follow, subscribe, and thank you for your support. And if you have an advertisement for your company that you would like to play on my podcast, shoot me an email. Hit me up, info, I-N-F-O, at Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P. All right, y'all, now I'm truly out. We're off the couch now. We're off the couch. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. 
It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.